everybody. It is 12 o'clock on a Thursday, which means that it is time for the Greenhouse Effect. I am your host, Hayden Green. Uh, this is a podcast where we talk about everything that has to, that is happening in the world today from a multicultural point of view. So we're going to get started. Didn't do, the, didn't do the podcast last week. I apologize. It was a heavy week. And, um, and yeah, so, you know, I... It was unprofessional of me to skip that day, but we are back, and uh, and we're from a new location. We're this is my this is the office at uh, Manhattan College, and so I wanted to give you guys a different view. We're back in the office, and we will more than likely start uh, broadcasting from the office in a in pretty pretty uh, quick succession. The the way that New York City is looking right now, it looks like we are probably going to get to a point where we are having herd immunity and we will be able to move forward and actually uh, get back to some sort of normalcy. Uh, Manhattan College is going uh, fully live in uh, in September. And so uh, that ought to be interesting. And so I just wanted to you know, get accustomed to being in the office, <laughs> right? Uh, we, we've all got to get accustomed to going back to what we used to do. Some of us will never return to what it looked like before, but some of us, it's, we're going to have to get accustomed to getting back and getting dressed every morning and going into the office and, and all the rest of stuff. Plus, we have an event later on today that I'm going to tell you about that you can tune in for. Uh, so, Let's get to it. Um, where do we even start? Uh, there's a lot of stuff to talk about. Of course, we're going to talk about police reform. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about, um, you know, America's love affair with guns. And um, uh, we have to talk a little bit about how people are reacting and responding to everything that is happening. Uh, but we also have to talk a little TV. You know, I've always got to talk a little bit about TV. I'm, we're a, a cinephile and got to make sure we work that in there. Uh, as always, if you have a question or you have something to say, drop it in the chat. I'm, I'm looking at that and I'm uh, re hopefully responding in a way that is appropriate to everybody here. So, uh, but the the interesting thing is, is that I'm doing, because I'm in the office, I, I don't have puppy around me. And, uh, and for those of you who don't know, puppy is my cat. And uh, and uh, she, she was being weird the other day because I spent a lot of time out of the out of the house over the last couple of days. And so she was being a little bit weird. Um, she, she, uh, I sat on the couch and she cuddled up next to me and, and then she tried to eat my beard. Yeah, cat's strange. So she came over and she sniffed me, which is, she does that every now and again. You know how cats are. It's like, what are you eating? And how can I get some of it, right? And so she came over and she sniffed me. And then uh, next thing you know, I, I like is she like licking me? I was like, but it was like her trying to chew a little bit out of my beard over here. I'm like, look here, cat. Look here. We ain't got that kind of relationship. There's no reason for you to be up in my face like this and chewing on my beard. Don't let that's that's not a thing. So, you know, I don't know if y'all have cats and, and you know, brothers, any, any of y'all out there with with beards, if your cat is trying to like eat your beard or maybe eat what was stuck in my beard. Maybe that was a signal, like go clean your beard. My beard's pretty clean by the way. So, you know, 
no judgment from a cat. Anyway, so that's the latest thing with Puppy. She's now into eating beard. So now when she rolls up on me, I'm like, mm, you're going to have to stay over there. Anyway, so uh, I can't wait to get home tonight and, and hang out with the cat because she uh, she is a, a, a really good companion. She always wants companionship. And once again, if you are... If you are joining us and you want to drop stuff in the chat, like, you know, just say hello. Let me know y'all are out there. Also, because sometimes I don't know whether the chat is working. <laughs> anyway, say hello. All right. To the heavy stuff. Um, so since I was last on, since I was last live, uh, we have had a, a, a rash of, um, of incidences and... Uh, the first thing that I want to start with is that uh, in, with America getting back to where what it is and, and, and how we operate, one of the first things that we have to, again, deal with are mass shootings. Uh, because more people are outside, more people are now prone to people who, who have access to guns. And um, the mass shootings are, are starting to, to happen all over again. Um, and, and, you know, it's, it's one of those juxtapositions, right? Where you're like, oh, great, we're getting back to normal. And then you remember what normal was before all of this got shut down, right? Uh, there are a lot of times where we are like, we're looking around, it's like, oh, okay, we're, we're back to normal. We will, uh, you know, we're going to go do the things that we are accustomed to doing and hanging out. But there were bad things that were happening before the pandemic or as my my wife calls it before the panasonic um and so this is where you know it's always uh we have to be always careful because uh everybody's like oh i want to get back to normal or the back to the way it was and i'm like well the way it was wasn't utopic right we did not live in a world in a country where uh everything was happening properly everything was the way that you wanted it. Uh, getting back to normal means that there are certain aspects of the society that will creep back in again. And one of them is mass shootings. And so it's, it's a little bit scary that we're back to every day opening up a newspaper, for those of you who still like pick up a newspaper and open it, um, Every day opening up a newspaper and hearing about another mass shooting or every day, you know, turning on the TV and hearing that, you know, five people were killed, 20 people were killed, you know, six people were killed. Like it's it's a never ending flow. And, and, and it's really about this American love affair with the gun. Um, and, and, you know, so you look at the statistics of how many mass shootings we have in this country and by far it is more than any other industrialized country in the world right like there are more mass shootings in the united states than all of the other countries of the world combined right well say we are a, a larger country than all of the rest of these countries well if you then break it down to per capita we have more mass shootings per capita than any other country so in relation to the amount of people that we have, we should not have this many mass shootings. And uh, and it's America's gun uh, love, love affair with the gun. And part of it is, uh, you know, this country was fought for, right? So the British had it, and the British were expelled with the force of the gun. 
uh, and the Constitution was written at the time when there was a need for a militia and different militias to make sure that ordinary citizens could help to defend this country. The, con the framers of the Constitution did not have semi-assault weapons in their mind when they added that to our Constitution. They just didn't. And nothing that you can say and nothing that you can and can talk about will ever uh, ha give me the uh, convince me that it's anything different than than what I just said, right? So, like my point is, is that we have a a country that looks to a document that was written in a time that was not like the one that we live in now and are unable to modernize their thinking when it comes to guns. Now, for everything else, there's there's modernization of thought. But when it comes to guns, you you know, our, our amendment right is, is, is sanctisanct, sacrosanct, and, and you can't take it away. And every time you hear the, 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 the Democrats are going to take your guns away or the Republicans wonder, you know, uh, are being soft on gun laws, it, it all comes from a place of, like, this is the constitu our constitutional right and and the, the the problem is is that the 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 quotes the things that we are using to to bolster these arguments are so archaic that it is incredibly mind-numbing that we can't get past it uh and here's the crazy thing one of the the the, the main organization that is stopping people from you know proper gun legislation of course is the nra um, and the NRA doesn't want to lose its lobbying uh, ability. But he, the NRA is almost bankrupt. And I never understood how an organization that cannot financially, you know, you know, prop itself up is influencing whether people live or die in this country. And that's what the deal is. When, when uh, you know, people are allowed to, the, the guy that shot up, shot up the place recently, had a semi-automatic weapon, the, the one who did the FedEx shooting, had a semi-automatic weapon that he was, that was purchased from, two semi-automatic weapons that was purchased legally, but after, this is only after, his mother called the cops and the cops came and took a shotgun away from him. He was not supposed to have the shotguns so he's like, all right, fine, I'll go buy two semi-automatic rifles. At, you know, and, and so you can talk all you want about, well, gun laws are not going to get the guns off the street, the illegal guns off the street. That's not what we're talking about. We are talking about the people who are able to go and get uh, semi-automatic weapons and kill people, at, you know, kill multiple people at one time. I saw a quote that somebody said, it's like, I'm a 60-year-old hunter, um, and, and I've been a Republican for 50 years, and never once have I needed to shoot uh, 40 deer at one time. So home protection, don't need it. Uh, hunting, don't need it. The only reason that you need a semi-automatic weapon is to uh, create a militia, number one, or kill a bunch of people at the same time. And the problem is, is that there are tons of people who support proper gun legislation. Tons of people, right? Like, it's it's a popular thing in the country. Yet still, we can't get past this because 
people have their hands in politicians' pockets, and nobody wants to lose their seat because they pissed off the NRA, a, a, an organization that is near bankrupt. It's, 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 it's crazy. It is absolutely crazy. Um, so I don't know. I, I, I think that there is a light at the end of the tunnel somewhat, but we got to get it done. You know, and, and maybe this is the president to get it done, but somebody's got to do it, right? So, anyway, so since I last saw you, uh, we had a couple of people who were also killed by, um, killed by policemen. Um, and last week it was... Um, Oh my God, Dwayne, uh, Dante Wright. Uh, and Dante Wright was killed at a traffic stop. And I won't go over the whole details of it uh, because by now everybody knows what the circumstances of his death were. But he was killed at a traffic stop and the woman that shot him did not know, according to her, that she was pulling out her gun as opposed to pulling out her taser. Um, and at a certain point in time, we have got to start looking at why police officers choose lethal force. And so before I even get started, this is not an anti-police rant. This is actually in support of the police, uh, because I want them to be able to do their job. Here's the problem. Their job is not to kill perpetrators even if the person is as guilty as hell if you saw somebody murder somebody your job is not to murder that person this is not the wild wild west your job is to apprehend the person and either the training is horrible or the the conversations about lethal force are horrible or the recruitment of people who are anxious to use lethal force is horrible, but something is wrong. Something is wrong. I have a simple solution for um, about this whole lethal force thing, and 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 I'll get to that. And in, in, and it's not a solution; it's one thing, right? So, like, there's a whole bunch of other stuff that needs to happen. So, Dante Wright gets gets shot a couple of a couple of miles away from where um, George Floyd was killed. And he, and, and, uh, and uh, the day before George, the, you know, Derek Chauvin's uh, uh, judgment comes down, the trial ends. And it, it, it threw me back to last year where we were having a, a conversation about we were having a repeated conversation about the uh, about police force and George Floyd and 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 then Breonna Taylor was killed in her in a room in her house, and so at that moment, and that wasn't the only one. There were other police killings as well. At that moment, it made me very curious to like. When something happens around me, and I'm like, all right, something happened to that person over there, and 
it really went to crap, right? I'm not going to do that same thing in order to avoid that thing happening to me, right? So what I'm saying is that there was protest, there were protests, there were marches, there was legislators, there were everybody speaking out against police violence and about deadly force. And in the midst of all of that, people were still not able to say, all right, let me take a beat about whether or not I'm going to use deadly force in this particular moment. People were still like, yeah, no, I'm, I'm just going to shoot them. And, and, and I know I'm, I'm being callous. Uh, but my point is, is that it didn't make the people who were uh, able to use this deadly force to decide to take a step back. None of that was able to convince them. And that was a disturbing part of it for me. We, here we are now in 2021, and there is a trial going on for somebody who used deadly force on, uh, on one of their, their, uh, the people that they were trying to arrest. And while this is going on, and it's supposed to be in the mind of everybody, and we were supposed to be talking about uh, the way that we're reforming police tactics and all the rest of Here's this woman who is a veteran of the force shooting somebody, right? And, and like the de-escalation tactics clearly did not, were not being employed. And when you look at the video, she actually interrupts the arrest and causes a bunch of like confusion. And because she causes the confusion, because she causes all of the, the, you know, the arrest to not go smoothly, uh, it ends badly. I'm like a step away from saying that this is all her fault because I do believe that it is, but I'm also not privy to every, every bit of information, but it feels like it's her fault. And this is, and so again, this is apples to apples. This is in Minneapolis, right? This is you know, somebody, an African-American male being stopped again. This is, again, the same police force not being able to bring a subject to uh, uh, submission or not being able to arrest a subject without using deadly force. Now, she says that she thought it was her taser. And so here's my thing. You are, so if you look at a police belt, right, on their belt, on their dominant side, so if you're left-handed, it's on your left side. If you're right-handed, it's on your right side. On your dominant side is your gun. So that if you have to shoot somebody, you pick it out of, you know, you have quick access to your gun. On your non-dominant side is your taser and your billy club and all the rest of the stuff. So that, you know, you need those. They're on your non-dominant side. Why? Why is so you because it's on your dominant side, the first thing that you're going to reach for is whatever's on your reactive side. That's going to be your reactive side, right? Why is the gun on the reactive side? Shouldn't you have to make a decision about getting your gun in order to in, in order to safeguard life? And that's my that's one of the, the, the pieces of the solution for me. If you are saying that the gun is simply there to, um, the gun is there as a last resort. 
it shouldn't be in the place where you are going to react to where where you the, the your 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 knee jerk reaction is going to take you if your gun is all the way on your thigh for instance on your non dominant side it means that you have to reach down and pick it and get it switch hands and all of those things will give you an opportunity to reassess the situation and it is not so much time to do that that you know a perpetrator will get off more shots than if you just reach down and pull it up it stops you from it stops you from thinking okay well now i have to uh it, it stops you from reacting to a situation and thinking it through because if i the first thing that i react for is now on my you know the taser is now on my non-dominant side i can grab that and that'll be the non-lethal force as opposed to grabbing your pistol which is right where you would react again put it somewhere where you have to think about getting the gun as opposed to it being reactionary i think that that's a, a start that's a that's the place to start right remove the gun from where the officers will react to using it. I will say this. I am not the brightest man in the world, right? I'm also not law enforcement. I'm also not, you know, I, I don't have anything, to, I, I don't have any training. But, you know, a, a wrong clock is, is right two times a day. And even a, even a blind squirrel finds a nut every now and again. I think that I might be on to something here. And it's always disturbing to me when simple solutions are really, really easy to see see as a layperson and it and the professionals are not seeing it. That's the part that disturbs me the most. Um move the gun. Don't take it out of the police the, the police hands if they so need it, right? But move it. Move the gun to a place where it is not near your dominant hand. We've had, since Dwayne Wright was shot, we've had a man shot in North Carolina yesterday while the police were trying to uh, serve a warrant. We have Malika Bryant, who was shot because she was wielding a knife. Uh, we had the boy in Chicago who was told to drop his hands, drop the gun, and put his hands up. And he did. He dropped the gun and put his hands up. And the video sh clearly shows that. And now we're doing what the, they're doing what the cops are asking them to do. And they're still getting shot. This is the, this is the point where we, you know, say, use the, the, the terminology. And this is why we march. And this is why we protest. Because we are being terrorized. Even when we do what the police is saying to do. Let's say, all right, you know what? I did a bad thing. I am, uh, I'm, I'm going to submit to arrest. I, I'm going to drop the gun and raise my hands. You still end up dead. Right? Uh, I, I saw something on somebody's post that said that there are social work and counselors who are sitting there shaking their head about the fact that um, the cops had could not de-escalate a young teen uh, with a knife when that's what they do every single day. You need lethal force to stop somebody with a knife? 
a young teenage girl and everybody is getting on this whole bandwagon and this is very and y'all have to be real careful about that that it was a justified shooting and uh she actually had a weapon and uh and, and she was being aggressive look even if that's true there is there are ways to subdue somebody without killing them like even if you're going to shoot them even if there is a, a even even if a gun is involved there are ways to disable somebody without shooting them I, and this is I, this is the part that always drives me crazy and this goes back to the training what are you being trained to do is hand to hand combat being taught is uh are you being taught to be how to disarm somebody what if you don't have a gun right what if you you lose your gun in the struggle do you have a method for disarming somebody? Right? And, and everybody's like, well, what would you do if you're, if, if that was your daughter? And, and like, I, I understand all of those conversations. My point is, is that that situation did not require somebody to lose their life on either side of the conversation. Right? A taser, a, a non-lethal shot, a warning shot. A, um, a a use of a, a use of the club uh, instead of you know in, and and close contact hand hand to hand. I don't. I'm, I'm not a law enforcement person, but all of these seem like more viable ways of subduing a perpetrator than than shooting somebody dead. I can't imagine that. That's the uh, that. Like, did you go through all of those things and? then you re realize that the only way to, to stop this person is by shooting them. Did you? And, and this is the problem. And we are, and we, we're quick, and, and this is really interesting, right? We're quick to blame the, the we're quick to, to blame the victim. Well, she shouldn't have had a knife. I agree. Doesn't mean she should be dead. Right? So, we, we, we're quick to blame the, the, the victim and not and discount the fact that we still have a system where lethal force is being utilized in a way that is unnecessary. Unnecessary. She shouldn't be dead. At the worst, she should be in a hospital. At the worst. She shouldn't be dead. She shouldn't be dead. And, and this is... This is the... This is the craziness, right? Like, where where do we get? How do we get to a point where people the the actions match what the infractions are, right? Because that's the, that's the point. If if she's she's got a gun and she's standing in the in the street and she's shooting at people, yes, shoot her. I'm gonna tell you this right now, shoot her, right? She's posing a threat to life, and there was a a. a um, a meter for this is like in uh, in in threat idle uh, in threat of life, right? Um, but if she's doing that, then yeah, shoot her. And and maybe she was in. I haven't seen the the full video, and maybe she was threatening and, and stuff like that. But it was a knife, right? And even if she is out there shooting, you know, waving a gun around and shooting, you can still shoot her in a way that won't kill her. Again, it's not. It's the non, 
the 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 use of deadly force that is inappropriate almost all the time. And remember, this is not so. This is the stuff we hear about. But in this country, police death by police is the sixth most frequent cause of death. Cancer, AIDS, coronavirus, all these different things, and then being shot by the police. Sixth most frequent cause of death. That should never be a statement. Never be a statement. How is that? How does that not sit and, 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 and make people think it's like, okay, we need to figure this out a little bit better? And the problem is that the PBAs, the Police Benevolent Associations, and, and all of the unions and stuff like that are so dug in and entrenched and don't want to give up any of their resources that anytime you start talking about reform, there is automatically a, oh, you, you want to take away our powers and, and allow people to go free. And, 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 and they use the politics of fear in order to back people down. But that's not what we're saying. People shouldn't be people shouldn't be killed by the police with as much frequency as it happens in this country. It just shouldn't happen. And and therein lies what the problem is. Is right that's not that's not what the police is supposed to do. The police are not supposed to shoot guilty people. They're not supposed to shoot innocent people. They're not supposed to shoot guilty people either, right? And that's where we have to figure out what went wrong and what has continued to go wrong and how do we get to a point where the police are not killing people at such a frequent rate and we have the conversation we can have the conversation about the fact that uh they're killing black and brown people at a higher rate than any other people but they're killing everybody they you know like yes this is a black and brown issue but it is a larger issue in this country Six leading cause of death in this country is death by police, being shot by the police. That is an astounding number, and it needs to change. Um, and so we have people who are, we have people who are, uh, you know, trying to be advocates for this, and and everybody's putting their foot in their mouth, right? Like, <laughs> uh, we have uh, Auntie Maxine, who. Is out there talking about if we, if we want the, the the oh by the way I can't see the comments if y'all are commenting uh, keep it going talk amongst yourselves somehow or the other I cannot see the comments and so if I'm not responding it's not because I'm ignoring you I don't know what's going on I can't see the comments it happens every now and again so and I'm either talking to myself uh, but I see that there's a couple of people of y'all on or <laughs> nobody's commenting and I'm not making any sense and people are just not interested. But if you are commenting, talk amongst yourselves, right? <laughs> um, but Auntie Maxine gets up there and says uh, that we hope that the, the, the verdict is guilty, guilty, guilty. Uh, and we want to, uh, and, if we, and if it's not, we need to keep the pressure on and we need to keep marching. And then she says something to the extent uh, we need to be, we, we need to stay confrontational. I know what she means. Almost everybody knows what she means. But as a sitting senator and as somebody who people are waiting for her to say it, like it's, it's Auntie, uh, Auntie Maxine, 
uh, AOC, Ibran. Um, like these are people that people are waiting. Anytime they say anything, they're waiting for them to make a misstep so that they can jump on it and say like, see, she's anti-American or she, she's anti-gun or anti-this or the other. Like, so she, they, they're just waiting. Anyway, uh, more confrontational just wrote, like riled up the, the right. Um, and, you know, we started seeing everybody just jumping all over it. And even the judge in the Chauvin case says, uh, no, we're not going to grant you a mistrial because the, uh, the, the defense asked for a mistrial. I mean, standard course of action. Uh, so we're not going to grant you a mistrial, but, and he says this, which is flabbergasting, you probably have a case for appeal and that will probably turn this whole case upside down. Okay, great. So now you're giving advice to the defense attorney on how to appeal this. You can't make this stuff up. You can't. You can't make this stuff up. So that was Auntie Maxine. And then Nancy Pelosi gets up here and thanks George Floyd for sacrificing his life uh, for the cause of justice. No, Nancy. George Floyd didn't sacrifice his life. George Floyd was murdered, right? He didn't want to be murdered. He didn't go into this as like, you know what I can do? I can get murdered so that uh, we'll start a worldwide movement. That's not what he, that wasn't his intention. He did not sacrifice his life. He was murdered. And there's a difference. And again, it's all about the nomenclature, right? Because everybody everybody wants to jump on the bandwagon and say something that's going to be impactful. Um, but thanking somebody for sacrificing their life was not, that's not what happened. He didn't jump in to save somebody in front of a car. He didn't, um, uh, you know, he didn't see somebody getting arrested and jump in front of a police bullet. No, that's not what happened. George Floyd did not sacrifice his life. George Floyd was murdered. And, and people want to dress it up and, and make it seem foo-foo-foo-foo, and that's not what happened. And then you have uh, LeBron James recently. Uh, so when um, the, he posted a, a picture of, I'm trying to remember whose, I'm trying to remember whose picture he posted, but he, pictured, he posted a picture of, of a cop who um, was, was the perpetrator in one of these other, uh, other shootings. And underneath he puts the caption, you're next. Okay, so what he means is, you're next to face justice. You're next to go up in trial and we're going to convict you and everything like that. Didn't go over well. He had to take it down. He eventually uh, submitted a, 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 an explanation of what he meant because people were, were taking it as to say, oh, you're, you, you know, we're going to kill you next or you're next. Like when you say you're next to somebody, it's kind of like a threat. And so people took it as a threat. But what he was saying was that your trial is next. You're going to be uh, you're going to be uh, found guilty of your crimes next. Um, and again, people just got to watch what they're saying. And everybody wants to jump on and, and, and again, have these impactful moments. But you got to have people that look through stuff and like, yeah, don't don't post that. <laughs> don't post that. Speaking of posting stuff. 
the Raiders, uh, the owner of the Raiders, posted a, a, um, a thing, and he actually posted this to say that he was in support of the, the Chauvin uh, uh, verdict. And he posted, I can breathe. So here's a little bit of background about it. So what he was saying is, we can finally breathe now, uh, now that we've gotten justice for George Floyd. That's what he was supposed to have said. Uh, in fact, it was a, a quote from uh, George Floyd's brother who also said, I can now breathe now, right? But I can breathe is also the shirt that a police department was wearing um, last summer mocking George Floyd. So everybody was out there with the I can't breathe shirts, and they had shirts that said, I can breathe. Right. As if to say, I didn't commit a crime, so I can breathe. Right. And so him posting that, and I don't know if he realized that, that they had done that, but him posting that sounded like he was mocking the I can't breathe. What he was trying to do was saying, I can now breathe, which is what he should have posted. Or he should have just put in quotes, I can now breathe again, um, which is what uh, George Floyd's brother actually said. People are just tripping up all over each other, just just trying to 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 get in on the moment, and it it is a it, it is a moment, and it is not it, it is not the end of the movement, is what I should say, um, because number one, if we're talking about the Chauvin trial, number one, we got the guilty the guilty verdict, but there's still the sentencing, right? So he's in jail right now waiting sentencing, and that's going to take a couple of weeks. Uh, there are minimums that come with uh, the, the the charges that he was found guilty for. So he will have to at least serve about 20 years, uh, if I'm reading it correctly. Uh, you know, the, the most serious of them should have tri should have come with 40 years of minimum but because this is the first time that he has had any kind of infractions uh it dro the minimum drops down to 12 uh and then you add on the rest of the uh you add on the rest of the the, the charges and so it could be 20 years if the judge and he waived the ability for the jury to be able to come up with what the sentencing was um he wanted the judge to do it and seeing as how the judge gave the defense advice on how to run their trial, you know what he's probably going to do, right? So if the judge decides to do it all um, concurrently, then the most, uh, the least that he would be able to get would be 12 years. If he does it um, uh, what's it, sub su 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 sequentially, one after the other, it could be the very least is 20 years. Uh, he could throw the book at him, right? He could send him to jail for over 40, 50 years uh, because he's got, you know, convictions on the three uh, three different counts. Um, he could go to jail for like 50, 60 years. I don't think that that's going to happen. And if the judge decides to only send him to jail for 12 years, I think that that's going to signal... That's going to signal something else. Um... I'd like to believe that the judge listens to, because there will be also uh, proceedings to, to convince him to, to what 
particular sentence to give. Um, and I, I, I think that he's, he's going to listen to what the prosecution says and, and not, at the very least, not bunch them concurrently and time served and all of the rest of that BS because he didn't serve any time. He was out on bail. Um, I think that my hope is that he does not punk out, right? And be like, oh, okay, well, we'll just send you to jail for 12. Because he sent him to jail for 12 with good behavior. He's out in six. And I guarantee you somebody's going to kill that man if he comes out of jail in six years. It, it will not be a good look. Um, I, and I'm being flippant, but you get my point. Um, I do think that he should send a substantial, send a substantial message that the jury came back and felt vehemently about this enough and, and, and make sure that the sentencing matches how quickly this jury came back and said, send him away, right? So that is the hope. But, you know, stay tuned for the sentencing. And then, of course, there's the appeal process because the judge... I, 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 so here's the thing. The defense lawyers... They're gonna. They were gonna appeal anyway, right? And they'd been asking for a mistrial after uh, Dante Wright was killed because they were saying that because he was killed in the uh, Minneapolis area, uh, very close to where the trial was happening, that it would influence the jury. And they've already. They were already asking for a mistrial at that moment. To say that they couldn't get a good, uh, you know, a proper trial because of all the things that they were asking for the jury to be sequestered. And the judge denied that, which surprised me because if they were trying to avoid having a mistrial later or having grounds for the appeal to be uh, held up, I would have just sequestered the jury and just said, put them away, make sure that they don't see anything. Uh, and when this trial is over, they could see all the news that they want to. I, if I were the judge, I would have done that because it covers your basis. What's the harm? I, I'm of the opinion that the judge is a little bit biased, um, and I, I've watched all of the trial, and certain things that he has done have made me question whose side, more importantly, why, there is a, why it is apparent that he has a side. Right. So. So I'm a little bit concerned about that and also with the appeals process. But, you know, if the AG stays on the case there, I think that there is enough there that they will keep this man in jail. But just be be cognizant of the fact that. There's more to come. This is not the end. Uh, this is a, a substantial victory, but this is not the end. So just just keep that in mind. So. While all of this is happening, I'm watching TV that is not sympathetic to me at all. <laughs> it's not consoling to me at all. I'm watching stuff like Grey's Anatomy and reliving the, the tragedy of, 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 the, of the quarantine. Um, I'm watching a series called Them on uh, Amazon Prime. And this is probably the most traumatic piece of uh, TV making that has ever been, like, well, for black folk, I'll, I'll say that, for black folk. And it really talks about redlining. And for those of you who don't know what redlining, it is the practice that banks uh, would uh, employ 
in the 1940s uh, when uh, during the, the Great Migration, blacks were coming into cities and banks would not rent, uh, sorry, banks would not uh, offer loans in certain neighborhoods that were redlined on maps, right? Um, and because they wouldn't give them loans, people couldn't buy houses, uh, people couldn't open businesses, uh, industry was not encouraged to be, um, to start in those areas and because of that you had entire neighborhoods that were disenfranchised entire neighborhoods that had lower income uh they didn't have any businesses didn't have grocery stores they didn't have any businesses that were in the neighborhood so people had to leave the neighborhood on a regular basis in order to get jobs which added to transportation costs which you know if you really want to break it all the way out added to pollution and uh, entire cities were redlined. And so this uh, series called Them really looks at one family and looks at this whole thing uh, from a nefarious point of view. It, it also has an as a supernatural aspect to it as well. Uh, but it's an amazing series and it's amazingly writ, amazingly acted, but amazingly traumatic for anybody who is black or brown in this country because it really plays out to how people sat down around tables and divvied up neighborhoods and divvied up countries, well, sorry, divvied up neighborhoods and, and, and forcefully and intentionally ensured that certain people would not make it in this country. And then sat behind us like, well, I worked hard and look at all the things that I got. And then, and then looked at the same people that they had just system, sim, systematically added things to keep them down and looked at them and said, well, why aren't you making it? Why aren't you moving you know, up in this country? And that's the, the nefarious part of it all. And, it, and that's the real horror of it. Uh, but while I'm watching that, I'm also watching something called Black Earth Rising. Uh, and it it, it 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 talks about the Congo and Rwanda and all the stuff that happened during the genocide. But like there are scenes in there that that talk about how European, the Dutch, the Belgi the the Dutch, Belgium, uh, France, England, all of them sat around a table and divvied up Africa, right? Divvied up Africa and said that's yours, that's yours, that's yours. Treated it like property, right? Uh, Leopold says, you know, goes down and, and, and claims all of the Congo, the whole Congo, and I did not know this, but the Congo is the fourth largest nation in Africa, the 12th largest nation in the world. And one man said, you know what? That's my backyard. I'm a, that's all that right there. That's mine. And they sat down and divvied up an entire continent and and then when it was all said and done and they had completely depleted, uh, uh, depleted all of the resources of these countries, they were like, you know what, you're on your own and you are better than you and y'all should fight each other to see who gets this land. I'm out. Deuces. What? And I'm making it as simple as I possibly can, but that's exactly what happened in country after country after country in the African continent. And when you start to look around and, and you realize that there is all of this civil unrest in all of these nations in Africa, and you realize that a lot of it had to do with the meddling of European nations, it makes you infuriated. So I'm watching that, and watching them, and watching Grey's Anatomy. Um, 
I'm gonna watch Mortal Kombat. <laughs> so when people get on me for watching stuff like Godzilla versus um, King Kong or Mortal Kombat that comes out tomorrow or uh, the Falcon and the Winter Soldier or as uh, as as my daughter calls it the Falcon and the Wanda Beast, um, I, I I need a, to take a step back and and enjoy that for a little bit, right? So like. Those are the reasons that I watch those shows and 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 lean into those as much as um, as as much as I possibly. And I'm also watching This Is Us, us, which is going through like some of the heaviest conversations on TV right now. I'm like, come on, what am I doing to myself? But you know, I, I love TV, I love movies. Uh, I will be watching Mortal Kombat on Saturday. I'm gonna set up our screen and watch it outdoors, like we're actually at a movie. Uh, it, you know, I'm gonna wear a sweater because it's gonna be cold. But, you know, I need that. Um, but, yeah. But tonight we have a program called Story to Tell, and we have uh, all kinds of different storytellers. Uh, and so if you're not doing anything tonight at 6 o'clock, just tune in. Um, it is the Man Manhattan College. And so I'll put the link in the, in the, in the comments, uh, which I can't wait to see what y'all are saying because I can't see them here. Um, and I'll put the link in the comments, and that way you guys can join remotely. If you happen to be in the Bronx, come on by and sit in a room with other people. <gasps> Whoa. <laughs> uh, also, uh, my daughter's podcast uh, will have a new episode dropping on Sunday. Your daughter's podcast? Yes, my daughter has a podcast. Uh, it's called Tasting with H&H, &H, and... Uh, one H does the cooking and the other H does the tasting and tells you whether or not she likes it or whether or not uh, she's not really a fan. And so um, I'll also put the link there. You can go to my YouTube channel and check that out as well. Um, uh, this last tasting that we did, which is not the episode that's coming up, but this last tasting that we did, uh, we, uh, oh my God. Oh, we did ceviche. So... That's coming up soon. Ceviche. Yeah, I'm trying to bring the summer back, right? Because ceviche is definitely a summer food. But anyway, that's what's going on. I am uh, I'm, huh, trying to breathe a little bit. We got, we got this fun thing going on later on this evening. And again, like I said, I'll watch some TV. But for the rest of you out there, breathe. Um, hug who you can. Love who you can. This has been The Greenhouse Effect. Get out there and be warm to somebody else. Love you all.